Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This premier independent fan experience podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and brings you honest and in-depth Montreal Canadiens discussion and entertainment. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Pudney are proud to be one of your trusted sources for Habs and hockey news. If you are talking about it, so are we. And welcome to Habs Unfiltered, episode 189. I am your host, Blaine Putvey. I'm joined now by my co-hosts, Matt Smith. Good afternoon. And Treg, Jim Selfie Wilson. Good afternoon. Matt, we are so happy to have you here. We know how busy you are. I'm happy to be back. I'm hoping that I can actually make a couple shows this week. But operational commitments, let's just say that, they're kind of getting in the way right now. So, Damn that day job. It's been a busy, it's been a busy couple of weeks and it's going to be a busy couple of weeks in the future. So we'll see. And uh, hopefully I don't miss too much of the season. Doesn't your chain of command know that you do podcasts? They do. They actually do. And they encourage me to do this, but uh, unfortunately queen and country come first, as they say. So, well, if they're listening, be nicer to Matt. There's exactly. a couple of sailors here all by ourselves. We need, <laughs> we need Matt around. That's right. My goodness. And Treg, how's the gym selfie business going? Uh, it's going pretty good. I yeah. can't, you know, I, I, I've been asked by a couple of people to be an ambassador on an Instagram for their clothing line. Of course, I have to buy their clothes and then I may or may not get a discount if I, you know, so. So it's one of those, one of those delete things. <laughs> I just delete it. <laughs> for instance, one, uh, one brand that, we are ambassadors for is lift life use code habs 10 to save yourselves 10% when you purchase any clothing from lift life also east coast lifestyle that's another brand that we're ambassadors for use the code unfiltered 20 and save yourself 20% when purchasing any clothing from east coast lifestyle good segue that was that was good uh this episode uh the second half we're gonna have matt grizel uh from the hockey writers come on and preview the metro division but in the first half what we're gonna do is we're gonna take a look at the canadians first preseason game because it was an actual full contact versus the mighty stanley cup champion maple leafs i mean hold on what yeah it's september so yeah they've won the cup already uh it's a it's a it's a yearly tradition toronto this is their year this is their year, Every yeah. Seventeenth, year, year of saying it, but this is their year. Well, oh, did you absolutely. guys did you guys see how good Curtis Gabriel was last night? He was oh, like the geez. best player on the ice. Geez, who needs Austin Matthews in a in a in a, in a bum in a bum wrist, right? Like I guys fucking oh, washed God. up now. So um we're gonna talk about that a little bit. We're gonna talk about the Canadians players and what we saw, what we expect, how 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 they're progressing. So let's just dive into this right off the right off the top the canadians played the preseason game against the leafs on saturday night and huh, you would have thought they the 
the Leafs were in game seven of the Stanley Cup, judging by their Twitter feeds. And you would think that Montreal was in a seven game long slump by the, by the Habs Twitter feed. Um, I tweeted out pretty quickly last night that it's preseason. If you're stressing over hockey during a preseason game, then you should really stop watching hockey. Uh, it was the first preseason game. Technically, I think Montreal used five people that are probably going to be on their regular lineup, five or six. If you count the ones that are probably going to be healthy scratches most of the year, then six. Yeah, because uh, Romanoff and Kulak, I believe, are the only defensemen that Petrie. are probably going to Petrie, Petrie, yeah. Petrie, right, yeah. I mean, Kulak may not even be on the team with Niku and uh, Norlander knocking at the door, but who knows? Well, I mean, uh, it all like if you want to stretch it out and say six, then yeah, Kulak would be on the team, yeah. you know, whatever. Uh, Pocket, maybe. Uh, you can Perot. maybe paling. <clears throat> and the first line, the Canadians' top line that they had there, for sure, are going to be on the team. And, and judging by the scrimmage, it looks like that's what uh, Deshaun's doing. He's putting lines together. Yeah. That's going to be the main. I think you're going to. I think you're already seeing what the lines are going to look like. But to the preseason game anyway. Uh, I didn't really pay attention to the score or whatever. I just watched certain players. Um, I thought Paling had a, a slow start, but ended up having a really good, strong game on both sides of the ice. His faceoffs were fairly decent. Uh, I don't have the faceoff numbers in front of me, but uh, he was at about a sixty-four percent rate. Yeah. Um. I thought he played well. I thought uh, I thought McNevin had a hell of a game last night when he played Supremo. He made some big saves. Other than that one gaffe that he had, he had a good game. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, yeah. <clears throat> against, like against, was... against superstar Curtis Gabriel. Yeah. You know, honestly, I hope to God the Leafs keep him in the lineup because that would be so helpful for everybody else. <laughs> Did you see how fast that guy's? Either he's out of breath or on the either he starts the shift like it's the last end of his shift or that guy like he's the slowest skater i've ever seen in my entire life what did, what, okay what game did you watch last night because i saw connor mcdavid <laughs> out there okay <laughs> wait you you watched the sportsnet version didn't you oh yeah. shit so that's yeah, what I they do they put it on too, fast yeah. forward okay yeah, i watched the gotcha. uh, first game first game Tavares is back since he died uh, version yeah. uh, hockey yeah. game. So they only won the game because they had Tavares. Oh, they did it. Do it for John. <laughs> Hashtag do it for John. Or oh my god, fucking JT is this or whatever. Like, we're we're making fun of this because it's kind. You know, most reasonable Leaf fans like guys guys like James from Offside Hockey. Most guys they, can joke around about. Yeah, this exactly. Like we are. But there yeah. were actually people looking at, at, to this preseason game as a vengeance game. Yeah. Like, and and, it up, boys. and you know not to not to throw any you know shade at commentary during the game last night or anything but yeah they're they're, they're in mid-season form that's for sure already mm-hmm. when the, when they talk about when they talk about things like how bad is the power play for the Montreal Canadiens going to be this year and is it going to be an issue after going 0 and 2 during the first period you mean 0 and 2 when they were using guys like Paquette exactly. and Belzil yeah. and yeah, just Jack Eye? We already know that this is going to be Canadians' top line. So I, I get them. I get them. They are going to be, they're going to be just a, just terrible on the power play if they're going to turn to these guys. But if those are the only players you got to use, then it looks like the Canadians are just going. You know, we're going for, uh, we're going for Shane Wright. That's what, that's that's the way okay, it's looking so- like. Let's actually be a little bit serious and look at the power play itself. You're saying you weren't being serious? Uh, no. Wait, are we looking okay. at last night's power play or the actual power play? Well, let's let's talk about last night's power play. And uh, Dushar mentioned it's not so much how the players really played, but how they how they tried to put in the effort, how they tried to employ the system. So you can see how the system was unfolding. They were trying to do the one three one. But players like Belzil and Jakai, they were rushing plays. They were making, you know, quick passes up into up into the feet. And a lot of these guys were trying to score on the rush on the power play instead of setting up. So it's preseason game one. I may have watched the game last night just to learn how to say that guy's name. Not going to lie. For those who don't know, he's of Lebanese descent. Yeah. 
not Lebanese, Al- Albanian descent, sorry. Yeah, and his apologies. last name is spelled X-H-E-K-A-J. Yes. Jacka. Which is, which is phonetically Jacka. Just, so just by reading, so, you can tell it's Jacka. So oh, I, had no, I had no idea. I was like, I'm going to wait till this guy touches the puck. And I'm like, don't give it to, don't give it to Kulak. Give it to, give it to, yeah, there you go. <laughs> no, just I want because to I'm out. me, I'm going to say extra hurler. <laughs> I was about to give you some props. I was going to say, I want to point out that Treg was the one to point out the proper pronunciation of a player's name. Holy in, shit. In the most ironic fashion. It's a new ever. season. It's a new season. It's a new season. Wow. But uh, no, but the power play, obviously, from last year, we, the Canadians finished 19th. They needed a lot of work. But you're not going to see a lot of system work in a preseason game when you're using guys that are clearly AHL or yep. uh, guys fighting for freaking contracts that are going to go back to junior anyway. Yeah. The last couple of games of the preseason is when you're going to see maybe them put together the actual power play unit that they want. Uh, that, that, that's see. when you're going to see likely, yeah. you know, three NHL lines you're going to see at least two defensive pairings yeah. and then you're going to have a line that might be built up with some of those players with a couple guys that may or may not make the team. They got the last guys in camp. They're going to be battling. Yeah. Guys like Niku and uh, Weidman and, and Golubev. Yeah. So I, I want to point, I want to point us over to Niku now. Uh, Treg, you wanted to say something about the new addition in Sammy Niku. So Sammy Niku, from what I've seen, and uh, trust me, I had to go back and look at YouTube and stuff like that because I, you know, uh, he played some in Winnipeg. He was very good in Manitoba with the Moose. Uh, But what you have out of Niku, from what I've seen, is a better offensive type player. He's he's basically like Mete, only better offensively. He actually puts up points. And, uh, uh, but his defense is kind of in the Mete range where, He's not that strong. He doesn't push a lot of guys out of the way of the net. He's good, very good positionally. He's very good at pushing guys towards the boards and keeping the, the high quality shot chances low. Uh, however, he's not going to win you a lot of board battles. He's not going to, his transition game is amazing. He's very, he's a very good puck mover. Uh, but when he gets in the offensive zone, he's a little bit smarter than Mete is and he's a little bit quicker. Uh, his passing's better, and he has just a little bit higher uh, offensive IQ than what Mete would have. Yeah, he's he's kind of like a uh, a bottom pair power play specialist, kind of uh, kind of what they let walk in Gustafson, what they have on hand, uh, what they were kind of hoping to see out of Norlander this year, maybe. So this signing him kind of says, okay, two things. Niku's going to get his chance to make himself valued at the NHL level, something he didn't get the chance to do in Winnipeg. And the other thing is this kind of points to them deciding that Norlander looks pretty good, but they want him to season himself up a little bit more before he gets to the NHL. So now they got a guy that if he doesn't play every game, if he sits in the, bo- in the press box for a few weeks and then jumps in and plays 10 games in a row, they're happy with that. They don't, they're not concerned with his development so much. So as he's a, a stopgap, w- what do you think, Matt? I'd say so. I don't think it's going to be a guy that's going to, you know, he's not going to run out there and win the uh, Norris trophy for you or anything. But I think that they saw a young, um, a young player who's only 24 will be 25 here in a couple of days um, that was looking for an opportunity and, I think he's likely going to start in the AHL. And if he passes through waivers, then they'll have an offensive weapon that they can use in the AHL and possibly he can develop his game within the Canadians organization within Laval and um, be a, be a guy that can be called up. And, and I, and I do agree that this kind of points to them and we haven't seen obviously Norlander in a, uh, an actual preseason game other than the rookie camp. So we'll see how he looks. But I think it points to them not rushing, not rushing Norlander in, and not rushing yeah. anybody else in um, when they don't need to. And it's just going to depend on where Norlander ends up. I, I personally believe that uh, the AHL would be better for him because I'd like to see him play on North on North American ice just to try to develop that part of his game. Um, 
but who knows? We'll see. It's, it's, it's going to really come down to the conversation that he has with, uh, with management, what they think is best and uh, what's best for the player overall. And we'll see what happens with Niku looking forward to seeing what he brings. He has, uh, he has quite the hairdo. You guys will notice that as soon as he takes oh, the yeah. ice, he's going to be easy, very easy to follow on the ice. And uh, we'll see what he brings. As, as Trey said, um, he's a guy that um, he's offensive. Um, he puts up a lot of points at the AHL level. Just that offense and that level of talent offensively hasn't hasn't just got to the uh, to the NHL level just yet. The thing I uh, have with Norlander is uh, I prefer if he goes back to Forlunda because if he's just playing bottom pairing minutes, you're it's doing nothing for him. Uh, he he doesn't have what it takes to be top four in this in the in the NHL right now, uh, unless Montreal thinks his offense will outweigh his defense laps i truly believe uh another year for london is the best thing for norlander yeah this this is not a coaching group that says you know what we're going to take the offense and not care too much about the defense this is not as much as ducharme is a guy who likes more up-tempo style he is still someone that relies on a defensive scheme to launch that offense uh one player though that i think is going to get a bigger role and larger more responsibility most likely in a top four role is uh is Romanov and we saw a little bit of that in the first preseason game yes it was it was sloppy it was rough I mean it was the first preseason game but you can see already that they're kind of moving him into those roles he's he's playing on a pairing with Petrie which I think in the regular season would look very interesting especially on a power play and you see how he's able to get the transition game going. Yes. He had some defensive lapses where he, he goes in the corner and if he would lose a battle, sometimes he wouldn't get himself in the right position in front of the net, but that's, that's going to come through the preseason, but that's, that's what I'm expecting to see. What do you expect, Matt? I think that they're going to try to push him into a top four position. They're going to, they're going to give him every opportunity to succeed. And then um, it's going to really depend on what they think of, um, of the, the Edmondson pairing from last year. Um, if they think that a Sherrod Savard pairing would be, uh, would be beneficial and, and try to replace um, Savard with uh, Weber with Savard and, and put, and put Sherrod with him or not. It's, it's, it's really hard to say at this point. There's a lot of guys that are battling for position right now. Um, some guys have a leg up on the others. So it, I believe Romanov's going to take that next step this year. I'm, I'm going to say that he's going to be a lock to obviously make the team and to be a regular. Um, but it's going to really depend on, as I said, it's going to depend on management. It's going to depend on coaching. I thought last night that he, uh, he didn't look that bad, to be honest. Other than taking uh, a little bit of a hit from superstar Curtis Gabriel. Um, other than that, I thought he, I thought he looked good in the, in the, in the one goal that the Canadians got the one cheer moment for the game. He made a good, he made a good pass up to, uh, up to Suzuki that led to the goal. So the offense is coming for him. Suzuki? We saw, we, that, I thought that, that was Anderson, Anderson, wasn't it? According yeah, yeah. uh, to Yahoo. Yeah. According to Yahoo. Sportsnet. It was Anderson. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, 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 but this is a thing. Like we, we, we talked about rushing him a while back. Now he's in the NHL. He's, uh, he's, he's learning. He's, he's, he's developing, and I believe that he's ready to take that next step. It might not be as a, as a top four just yet. It's coming. But if he can, if he can be a regular, if he can get uh, someone that's not going to be just a roving third pairing. Um, partner with him I think it'd be very beneficial to his game and I know there's a lot of people that would like to see him be possibly partnered with someone like Savard well these are the battles in the preseason that the fans should be watching it's not hey did we beat the Leafs in a preseason game that means absolutely sweet nothing Um, obviously Sportsnet wasn't paying too much attention to the Canadians because they had Anderson scoring points and they had players who weren't who weren't even dressed on the lineup so you know it's just it's the preseason there's going to be mistakes made there's good it's the preseason for everyone so these are the battles that you got to look for 
Another battle that I think will be very interesting to watch is the battle between Paling, Evans, Paquette as to who's going to get 3-4-C in there. And I'm going to throw a surprise name out there, Videmo. Videmo's play in that first game, I thought he brought good energy. He brought physicality. He was, uh, he was pretty well positioned defensively. He played a smart, simple game, and he was able to win his battles one-on-one. So that's someone I think that you got to keep an eye on for someone who's going to battle for that, for one of those uh, roster positions, especially seeing as how he no longer has that waiver exemption. So uh, I know Treg, you've, you've written about paling in the past. So what do you think of that idea? Uh, I think Vademo it could be a, a throw wrench into the uh, fourth line uh, center game. I think it's Jake Evans to lose. I think, uh, that the fourth is anyway, Jake Evans could even take the third for all we know. I have to see him play, but uh, I I'm a big supporter of paling being coming the third uh, center. We've talked about this before. I wrote a couple articles about it. Uh, the only knock against paling is he is waiver exempt. So he's the easiest guy to send down without losing. Actually, he's the only guy to send down without losing him out of everyone we mentioned. Um, uh, Vademo, I can I liked his game last night. I thought he had a good game. Uh, there's another guy I'm going to throw in on defense. Uh, Fair, uh, what's his name? Fairbrother or Fair? Johnny Fairbrother. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought he had a really good game last night as well. I thought Kulak actually had a good game last night. Um, but uh, I think uh, Paling. I was just reading too. Uh, Eric Engels was saying it looks like they're going to give Paling every opportunity to make this team. I think he's the guy they want in that third position. Uh, but it is going to come right down to, are we willing to lose Videmo or Paquette or Perot or whoever we got to cut to put down to, to Laval? Now, mind you, I don't believe Paquette and Perot are really going to be put to Laval. I think, if anything, they're going to be the extra forwards. Blaine, you seem to think they're going to go with more defensemen than forwards in the uh, uh, from our, our last discussion, and sure, that's fine. I believe there could be a trade coming up too, or a move coming up by Bergevin because he has a shit ton of wingers and a shit ton of defensemen. And a lot of them are bottom six, bottom pairing defensemen and, and, and wingers. So, uh, and a shit ton of picks and prospects too. And a shit ton of picks and prospects. So maybe Jack Eichel's coming to the team and we won't have to worry about bailing. Um, what a I pain mean, in Jack, the neck that would be, you know, Paling Paquette, Paling Paquette in a second for Eichel. Done. Done well, he deal. was stripped of his captaincy, and uh, done deal. You know, we're currently missing our captain. <laughs> well, I mean, getting stripped <laughs> of your captaincy just lowers the value right there, mm-hmm. right? Definitely. Your trade value goes way down. And who knows when he's going to play again? Who knows? But, so uh, much. The value is so low now. We may as well just Ryder Halak in a second. I, I honestly think Paling and Evans have the inside track in the third and fourth. Uh, yeah. However, if Bademo keeps playing the way he's playing, he's really uh, – Paquette and Perot didn't really impress me last night really too much. No, um, but they played the style of game that you expect they, from them. Ex- exactly. They played a fourth-line grinder-type game, and yeah, but they didn't – I mean, no one – beyond that game, no one really impressed me, but it's a preseason game after two practices. I don't really care. So, you know, I, I, I'm like you, I looked at, I watched Paling, I watched Romanov, a lot of the French guys, fringe guys. Um, oh, there who, were a lot of French guys too. So. There were a lot. Of, <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's why I paid attention to, because I, I looked at some guys and thought, well, these guys aren't making the team. You know what I mean? So I'm not going to worry. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but I think, but that, yeah. I think a big thing is um, you watch the start of the game and then you, by the end of the game, you notice, and this is why I think, um Ducharme is just building his lines right away you saw the Suzuki line start playing horrible hockey like they were they were bad like the timing was off uh their their back check was way off I think I saw a preview uh, uh the what was it the second Toronto goal Suzuki kind of went that was the first the, the second the one was the power one. play the, the first okay goal. so the first one with Muzzin he could have yeah. He normally would have been there to stop that play, but he, he didn't back check hard enough. You know, yeah, little things like that. 
by the end of the game, we were seeing them make those second efforts. We, we saw, the, like you mentioned, the, the goal that was scored by Toffoli. Romanov made that pass, but Suzuki had a, had a pretty slick little move to get uh, around three little, Maple Leafs to get and that And he made a little bump, and then a little bump pass to get it to him, yeah. Yep. And I know Anderson got the point for it, but that's all yeah. Suzuki. Yeah. <laughs> that was really good work by Anderson, though. Fantastic. Right? Great Anderson from his, from his house. Yeah. yeah. But it's those little things. And Caulfield, yeah, he was missing the net early, but he started hitting the net, uh, creating plays. That shootout uh, the, goal was dirty. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was so like, how did he get that shot off so quick? <laughs> Scott robbed him on one shot, too, there. Ian Scott yeah. there. Uh, yeah. He robbed him with the blocker on one shot. Um, like I say, I didn't think Caulfield had a bad game. I thought Caulfield was creating offense. He was doing what the line, you're absolutely right together. Uh, the line started off very bad. Oh, and yeah. then, it, and then it, it, it came. And I think you're going to see that in the scrimmage game today. I didn't see the white team, but the red team has the second line. Dvorak, Anderson, Drew in. So it's going to be interesting to see how that line goes. I'm yeah, sure that's a line. On the way. I don't know. I'd rather see Gallagher on that way. Well, Gallagher's hurt. So that's why yeah. Gallagher's not there yeah. right now. So, But I'm just mentioning I'd rather Gallagher there. Yeah. And if yeah, Paling think... were to get at the 3C, having Anderson on his wing, the two of them play a, a similar north-south yeah. game. So I think that would be a better fit. Anderson with Hoffman on that line would be, I think. Whenever Hoffman one. comes back from his injury. Yeah. Four weeks is what I hear. At the most. Which now, will take it to what second week of the season, I think. Yeah, yeah, he'll miss like five, six games. Now, Matt, what what about you? What did you see in the preseason game that you think would be a good takeaway as opposed to the crazy people burning jerseys after losing to the Leafs? I, I think it shows that the Canadians are gonna have a little bit of depth. However, um with with what we saw in this game, it's really it's really hard to it's really hard to just manage what what we're really looking at right now because we only had one NHL line that was actually put together. I think that um, Paling did have some struggles throughout the game. However, um, first game of the year against actual competition, I think that they're yes that they're going to try to push him for one of those spots. Right now, it could be at least the fourth line. It could be his his to, his to lose. Um, I liked Pocket's forecheck. Um, I thought um, I thought a guy like Belzil at times. Uh, he was coming off injuries from last season, but when he was healthy in Laval, he played very well for them. And um, I, I thought that he showed some flash last night. Um, Fairbrother, I thought was one of if not their best defenseman last night he was physical he dropped a stick a hell of a lot so i didn't, I don't know what was going on with that he needs to um, buy some grip for that yeah he needs to stick. buy some grip you know buy some grip for that stick but um it'll come i i'm not i'm not worried after one game um i thought primo there's a couple goals that he let in that i thought that could have that he might have been able to save I thought McNevin looked sharp other than his little gaffe against superstar Curtis Gabriel. And um, other than that, like it's a preseason game at the end of the day, we get the, yeah. we get the scrimmage or we get the, the inter-squad game today. We get a couple more preseason games coming up. Said so this isn't, the season isn't over now. I'm just looking forward to seeing uh, the, the team. It's not over. <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing the team being healthy. Did you see this team play? They're never, ever going to score a goal. <laughs> Terrible hockey. And the Leafs are just raring to go. I mean, they played ha- over half their, their NHL team. They're ready. That's, yeah. that's how they you build a team. Montreal with guys like Gabriel and Kloon and Betting, Bunting, whatever the hell his name is. Oh, Bunting's the greatest signing since uh, Robinson. Oh, he had 10 goals last year, guys. 10 in 21 games. Oh yeah, no, I'm that's like I'm definitely, 90 goals. That's the it's first of many, many goals that he's gonna score this year. Yeah. Many. And Tavares <laughs> is back. It was his first game back since he was decapitated. Uh his family was praying for him and rooting for him. Let's ignore the fact he was skating three days after he got hit. Uh let's just say that uh, you know, man, it's a miracle that guy's on the ice. I heard they not- took I heard they took parts of uh Jack Eichel's neck to repair him. Yes. And 
this entire <laughs> this entire turnaround happened because Tavares brought people to his cottage over the summer. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Because nobody, that. no captain in NHL history has ever done that. No, they don't have cottages. No, they don't. Problem is, is Matthews went swimming and his bionic wrist uh, messed up because it got oh. in the water. Oh, oh yeah. So they had to put new circuits some, in it. Some, some brackish water. Yeah, that yeah. that that but thing that, from Empire Strikes Back when they show the wrist being repaired—that was actually yeah. live footage of Matthews getting his fit his wrist there fixed. You go. But uh, back to the Canadians, <clears throat> and uh, yeah, I thought we were talking about the Canadians. <laughs> yeah, well, we did the Sportsnet version of talking about the. Canadians. Oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. The Canadians played last night. Yeah, <laughs> I, didn't, huh? I didn't know. I thought it, but, I thought it was a white versus blue scrimmage game by the Leafs. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> no, but uh, back to pay, uh, to uh, Primo. So Primo, I mean, I saw a lot of criticism of primo saying that he is he, he's looking weak uh, a couple of people actually said that they don't feel like he's going to become a starter now in defense of the person who tweeted that i'm not going to name them because it's i don't want to send people out to attack this guy because he did make a valid point and it's a, his opinion but and he wasn't judging it just off of this he, he felt he feels that primo is not going to be the starter people think he's going to be I'm going to counter saying, well, no one's expecting him to be a superstar. And he is only 22 and he needs a lot more seasoning. And what this game showed was proof that he needs more time. I think like he, he said, he's, it, he's 22. Yeah, yeah he'll likely, he's, he's likely going to be the guy that's going to be um, kind of platooned with, uh, with Allen to start the year because we know that Price may miss a little bit of time to start the year and uh and if he does if he does i think they're gonna ride allen unfortunately i think but in the end i actually think... going to be the backup this year and uh, primo's going to get all the starts in laval i think that's what primo needs um primo i'm not going to say he's not ready his first season he went two one one with a 932 save percentage as a 21 year old or sorry, 21, 20. He was like 20 at that, 20 time, at that time, yeah. Uh, he struggled a bit last year. I don't think he was terrible last night. I mean, Tavares was a tipped goal. Uh, Muzzin basically got the skate right into the slot and take a good shot. Uh, I forget the third goal, but... Uh, Probably uh, Austin bunting, Matthews. Bunting was the third goal. Um, so I don't think he had a terrible game. I don't think he played terribly. I found he couldn't find the puck. It looked a lot like Lindgren at times. He didn't know where the puck was, but uh, he I didn't make that he's... one. He didn't make that one phenomenal save though. Like what well, Lindgren would do. No, that's true. But and so... he only lost because they were in the, because you know, the team in front of him didn't put up any goals. Right. Yeah, that's true. But... He only happened to be a net when they lost. Yeah, that's right. But uh, I think a full season in Laval, a goalie's usually around 24, 25 is when they start to peak. So uh, put him in Laval and I think uh, a full season there. So I personally would like to see either Kevin Poulin or McNevin. Although I think is Poulin on an AHL contract? I think Poulin's on an yeah. AHL only deal. Yeah. yeah. You're so, only looking, you're, you're looking at Primo or McNevin. Yeah. Either way, it's going to end up being Primo because he's the higher on the depth chart and that's fine. And it's only going to be a short term thing, but Primo in the long run needs those starts. He needs to have a ton of starts at the AHL level. And he's going to get that this year. Now we have silence. <laughs> uh, but I mean, looking at the preseason, I thought Fairbrother had a good game. Paling had a good game. Uh, McNevin. Um, Cole Caulfield, I thought played well. And I think, uh, uh, I think what we're looking at is, uh, first of all, I got to take away the fact that it's just a, uh, preseason game and you just have to look at how the individual players are playing. Not so much as the team as a whole, especially the guys trying to make the team. Yeah. All right. So I think, I think we've covered pretty much everything we were going to cover for this episode on the Canadians preseason. Um, what we'll do is we'll take a break and then we come back from the other side of that break. We'll be joined by Matt Grizel and uh, he's going to preview the Metro division for us. So 
stick around. We'll be right back. Have you ever needed a fragrance that matches your every social media post? Well, if you're on Twitter after dark and feel a little angry, you can wear Fire Perky. This fragrance is available on every social media site. Fire Perky. On every message board. Fire Perky. So when you need to smell like your social media accounts take a bath in. Fire Perky. You'll need no other fragrance. Do you have a problem getting big city slams? Are you not getting the gains at the gym? Well, don't mortgage your future on rental supplements. Get Bergie Arms. Bergie Arms will get you the gains you need. Bergie Arms gets rid of all the bad attitude and builds better character so you can get the gains you need. Get Bergie Arms. Bergie Arms. Bergie Arms. Today. Not a real project, mate. May make you trade your favorite player for a mountain man. Do not use if you're healthy, if you want to loyalty, buy a dog. And welcome back to Habs Unfiltered. I'm your host, Blaine Pudvang. I'm joined now by Matt Grazel of the Hockey Writers. Welcome to the show, Matt. Thanks. Um, thanks for having me on, Blaine. Oh, it's my pleasure. So uh, this segment of the episode, we're going to be pre- uh, previewing the Metro Division. And Matt is going to be our local expert as he covers teams within the Metro and uh, has his own podcast now. So Matt, why don't you let my listeners know where they can find you, what you cover and uh, the name of your podcast. Sure. Uh, I've been covering the Philadelphia Flyers and the Pittsburgh Penguins for the hockeywriters.com. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at, uh, at Matt Grizzell. And the podcast that I just started co-hosting with my fellow uh, co-host of the who also covers the Philadelphia Flyers, Colin Newby. It's called Focus on the Flyers. You can find that at uh, the Hockey Writers YouTube channel. We just started our we started our uh, the podcast, and our first episode was recorded last week. So you can watch that on the YouTube channel now. Well, uh, I've only watched a couple of minutes so far just to get uh, more of a feel for the Metro. And I'm going to let my listeners know, go check it out. It's definitely informative. Um, Now you are located in Utah. So what makes you focus on the two biggest rivals in the Metro between Philadelphia and Pittsburgh? Well, I'm originally from Pennsylvania. I grew up outside of Philadelphia. so I grew up watching the Flyers uh, during the um, era of Eric Lindros when he was on the team. So, and then uh, I, uh, yeah, so I've been, uh, so uh, when there was an opening at the Hockey Writers, I gave uh, Kyle my background and he said there was an opening with the Flyers. Um, so I started covering them and uh Grew up seeing some of the Penguins, uh, given of the close proximity uh, of the in-state rivalry, which has certainly increased over the years since uh, Sidney Crosby was drafted over the last 15 years. So the rivalry is... Yeah, up here in Halifax, we do enjoy Sidney Crosby. So it's it's definitely fun to see that. So now... We're gonna ju- we're gonna jump into the Metro Division. Uh, you have that unique view of covering two teams out of the Keystone State. So um, now that the teams are all back in the division, the realignment has gone back to normal. Uh, Carolina has returned after winning the Central last year. Has rejoined the Metro. What is your overall view for this? Uh, this division who's who's going to be the main uh, the main teams to really key in on for the competition for the playoffs well I think um, a lot of it is up in the air right now uh, based on some of the changes that went on over the offseason the Philadelphia Flyers they saw a number of of subtractions and additions on their blue line. Uh, they lost Shane Gossespierre 
and Robert Hyde, and then they acquired Ryan Ellis and Rasmus Ristolainen. Uh, so I think those additions, uh, and also they traded Jacob Voracek to the Columbus Blue Jackets for Cam Atkinson. So I think the additions uh, or the changes in the lineup, they're going to take some time to uh, gel with one another. Um, so I, I, and then that also happened with the Rangers, with the new head coach and Jared Gallant, and also with Dougie Hamilton going to the Devils. So I think some of those teams who had some of those changes in the roster um, or on the coaching staff, they're going to take time to adjust. The one team that didn't really seem to do too much during the offseason and they didn't really need to was the New York Islanders. And I think whether or not they, the Islanders uh, win the division or not, uh, to me, they're still the best team. They, they played like it the last two seasons uh, with how far they've advanced in the postseason. So I would say look for them to, uh, doesn't matter when they, if, to me, whether they finish with the most points in the division, I would say look for them to still be a threat to, possibly um, uh, make the final, the Stanley Cup final this this coming year and possibly even be the Stanley Cup champion. But uh, uh, to me, the Islanders look like the uh, the best team in that division so far. So in previous Habs Unfiltered episodes, I've brought up the Islanders as my pick to win the Metro based on uh, where they are with their in their progression in the rebuild. <clears throat> uh, Uncle Lou has really put together a really tough, hard-nosed team, well-coached with Barry Trotz. Now, I have them at the top of the division. Who do you have competing with them for that top spot? Is it Washington? Is it Carolina? Who would it be? Um, suppose, I mean, it would be hard to pick against Washington and Pittsburgh right now. I mean, given how both teams have been there at the top, especially Washington. Washington, despite their postseason struggles uh, minus their cup championship in the 2017-2018 season. Um, they're still right. They're always usually there uh, in the playoffs and uh, due to their success during the season. Um, again, as I, as I said, uh, it's kind of difficult to predict, at least for me, with uh, all the changes that have gone on and with the teams in the Metro. And it's kind of uh, we'll have to see how it all plays out, but I would expect until it happens. Otherwise I would expect Washington to be competitive. Um, I would expect, I think the Rangers are a team that's, uh, uh, they felt the pressure when they missed the postseason last year. And they, uh, a lot of the players said, look, the postseason is, we need to make the postseason this coming year. I mean, there's no, I mean, there's no, um, um, there's no um, excuse. I mean, that's their goal, the return of the postseason. Uh, Pittsburgh, they've always been there, but they're going to be at a disadvantage at least early in the season with Sidney Crosby and NG Malkin. Uh, they're two best players for the last 15 years on that team uh, that will be missing the start of the season. Uh, like last I heard, Malkin's going to miss several weeks. Think yeah, of, up to two think, months is what I heard. Yeah, up to two months where Crosby, if his minimum time, if he misses the minimum time, he should only miss about five games. I would expect him to be out for for not that long, maybe till the end of October or early November. He should still be back. Um, but, you know, Pittsburgh and Washington, they still have two future Hall of Famers in Crosby and Ovet, uh, Crosby for the Penguins and then Alex Ovechkin for Washington. And as long as you, as long as the team has those individual players, they're still going to be a threat. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I, I would say uh, Washington, I mean, if the Flyers, everything comes together for them, I think they'll, they have a lot to prove uh, given that the mo most of their team, with the exception of Joel Farabee, underachieved last season. So 
they have high expectations or a lot of um, pressure on them. But yeah, I would agree. I would expect the Islanders to, whether they win the Metro, I would expect to them either win the division or at least be a second or third in that division. Yeah. Now you mentioned a couple of teams. Uh, so the Flyers and the Rangers are two teams that are going to be fighting to move into that playoff picture uh, with the Rangers just coming, just starting to come out of their rebuild after getting a couple of lottery wins uh, that kind of, <laughs> kind of jumpstarts a rebuild for anybody, mm-hmm. but the Flyers went a different way in this year. They, they rejigged their defensive core. And do you, do you look at this new defense this new blue line as uh, set up to support uh, Carter Hart or to generate the offense that was missing last year, which is it does, does it do both? Like what's the main goal mm. here for the new, the rejig? Yeah. Well, I would think that uh, the best uh, outcome would for it to be to do both. But if, if I had to choose one, whether it be a jumpstart, the offense or to um, help out the Carter Hart and, that's what I would um, hope that it, that it would do more than jumpstart the offense, given the uh, the struggles on the penalty kill last year for the Flyers, as well as giving up the most goals against in the NHL last year. So I would hope that they would uh, uh, play better defense in front of Carter Hart to allow him to uh, do his job better, uh, as that was a struggle for the team last year. Do you think that um, with the work that the Rangers and the Flyers have done, that they could unseat the Carolina Hurricanes in a playoff position in the Metro? Because Carolina is now under the gun with what they did with the Canadians. So being a Montreal Canadiens podcast, my listeners are very well aware of the Carolina Hurricanes offer shooting Kotkaniemi and him ending up there. With that, that left the first round pick to the Canadians, meaning that if they miss the playoffs, there is a there is a chance that that becomes a lottery pick. So the pressure is on Carolina to make it. So do you feel that the Rangers and the Flyers have done enough to unseat that team from a playoff spot? Uh, I think it's possible. Yes, um, Carolina is one of those teams that uh, I I'd originally thought, based on how far they went in the postseason last year, that they could go further again. Um, but I also know last year they given the uh, the different divisions and the condensed schedule and uh, given that the teams just played in the, in the same, they only played the teams in their division. Uh, Carolina had a bit of a uh, easier schedule I mean, because they played uh, teams like the Chicago Blackhawks and the Columbus Blue Jackets uh, enough and neither one of those teams were contending teams. So, I'm not, but I'm not so sure what to make of Carolina at this point because they lost Dougie Hamilton, and uh, but I know that uh, Rob Brindamore seems to be like he's a good coach, and they have a heck of a first line with Tavo Teravainen and the uh, and the center. Um, Aho, yeah, Aho, yeah. yes, and uh, but yeah, beyond that, uh, I don't know. But especially over an 82-game schedule, game season, um, what's expected of Carolina at this point? Um, so, yes, I think uh, the Flyers and the Rangers, if uh, everything goes right for them or more goes right than goes wrong, then, yeah, I would expect them to be contending with the Hurricanes for a playoff spot. Okay. And looking at the Eastern Conference as a whole, we know that the two wildcard positions are going to come into play. So after the three spots are filled, um, those two wildcard spots are up for the entire conference. So do you feel that the Metro division is strong enough to compete and take one or two of those wildcard spots from the Atlantic division? Um, well, in the Atlantic, you have Boston, um, Toronto, Tampa Bay. Um, Montreal. Florida. I'm just going over the uh, the teams in that division because I heard the Atlantic could be another tough division as well. Yeah, with Florida, Tampa, Montreal, Florida. Toronto, Boston, all all are going to be fighting for a playoff mm-hmm. spot this year. Uh, 
Detroit's still rebuilding, so they're not going to be mm-hmm. much of a, a challenge. Buffalo is there, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, but there's definitely five strong teams in mm-hmm. the Atlantic that will be fighting for those three spots. So do you feel that the Metro has enough to beat out the bottom two of those top five? Yeah, well, I mean, the Metro, the Metro certainly doesn't have the elite teams. Um, well, the elite team in Tampa Bay, that's, going back-to-back years, winning championships. Uh, and Boston and Toronto, they've had two good successful seasons. Uh, with Toronto, I think it's a matter of putting it together once the postseason comes around. Um, <laughs> yeah, screw them. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, Boston is always a threat that uh, they have a great first line. They don't have too much. They have a great first line, but I question their depth beyond that uh, with the production. The first line can, can be with Brad Marchand, Patrice Bergeron and David Pasternak. Uh, so, so yeah, I think it's possible um, given that uh, the Metro may not have elite teams um, like the Atlantic may have with uh with Tampa Bay and Boston, but uh, I, I, yeah, I think it's possible if everything um, goes right with, yeah, the Metro is going to be a tough division. I, I think minus the uh, Columbus blue jackets, it's hard to, um, it's hard to figure out, okay, who's going to be, um, who's going to win and who's going to um, be a disappointment. So, What's a big storyline that you're expecting to see in the division this year? Like a, like the rivalry renewed, uh, something along those lines. Like what, what are you expecting to see this year? Um, one of the notable changes was for the Rangers was they wanted to add toughness and more grit. Um, that, that especially took headlines after the Capitals and the Rangers uh, met towards the end of the season. Um and they added um, a, a tough defenseman, and they added uh, Ryan Reeves and uh, Barkley Goudreau and a few other tough guys. I I question whether they they went um, they overcompensated in adding all the grit that they did and, and toughness, um, and that can work against you uh, in games with unnecessary penalties and. Uh, constantly playing on the penalty kill. So I wonder if that um, will have a snowball effect for the Rangers at times. But again, given their toughness and uh, going going up against teams like the Capitals and the Flyers, and um, that is one um, aspect I'm, I'm paying attention to as far as how does that toughness benefit the Rangers this offseason. Or, or this season, I should say. And uh, um, other than that, uh, yeah, it's basically seen how um, uh, the rivalries get renewed with the Rangers and the Islanders and the Penguins and Flyers. And also, if there's any new rivalries that come about, I mean, the Devils, um, I think they, they, they want to get better as well. Uh, they've kind of been struggling the past several years. So, uh I think their goal is to get better as well. So, and now speaking of the Devils, uh, there's there's some uh, controversy coming out of uh, New Jersey in regards to their starting goaltender not being vaccinated. If they don't have Blackwood, how big of an impact would that be for the Devils, who were looking to compete for for a playoff spot, but now without him, how yeah. how would they look in that division? Um, I don't think they would look. Um, quite as, as good because Blackwood, he gave. There were there were times when, at least last season, when he looked like he could be their starting caliber goaltender. I mean, he's still young, but and then there were times when he didn't look that he could carry on that role. I mean, based on a lot of it, could have been how the defense played in front of him, whether they gave up turnovers, put him in an unfair position. Um. But I can't – I don't know offhand who their backup would be uh, or who their backup goaltender is right now. 
Um, so, I mean, possibly, yeah, putting him in an unfamiliar or asking that the backup to take on the starter role, uh, that's not something that a team generally wants to have. Uh, your backup is usually your backup for a reason. So, yeah, offhand, I wouldn't think that they would be as – I wouldn't think that that, that would do them any favors, no, without right. Blackwood. Um, before we go, is there any final thoughts on the Metro? Yeah, I, I look for it to be um, fairly competitive. I think it'll be interesting with all the changes that uh, have happened with the teams I mentioned, the Flyers, and pretty much everybody except for the Islanders. The Islanders – Lost uh, Nick Letty and uh, and Ellerby. Um, to, um, Ellerby was in the expansion draft. So um, beyond uh, that, it should be interesting to see how these teams, um, how teams like the Penguins and just without Crosby and Malkin to start the year. And even I think with Washington, I. I read this morning that, that Nicholas Backstrom, he's recovering from a hip injury and he may not be ready to start the season either. So, um, you know, Washington's always been there, but they're a year older with their core, another year older, and they don't, I'm not so sure how good they are in, in their goaltending. Um, but, you know, they have a good core that's been together for a lot of years, even though it is a year older. So, yeah, it'll be just uh, interesting to see how those, how the uh, Metro division uh, plays out. I think it'll be competitive because um, I think the teams have gotten better. Um, and now one final thought, uh, what's, what's your hot take for the number of goals for Alex Ovechkin this year? Well, uh, if he plays a full year, um, I don't know what he's average. He's usually easy to get to 40. I, I think usually. Yeah. So I would, um, uh, I would expect uh, 35 to 40, um, okay. whatever he averages, potentially more, but I'll go with 35 to 40. Good call. I think that, I think that's pretty much the wheelhouse, hopefully mm-hmm. more. I'd like to see him break that record, but we'll yeah. see what happens. Yeah. It'll be interesting because uh, the past year or so kind of jeopardized that a bit with yeah. the games played because he's always been a, a, a sure thing as far as games played. Um, but he's always a threat no matter his age. So, yeah. So now, uh, we're about to, we're going to sign off, but before we go, uh, can you remind my listeners where they can find you and what you do? Yeah. I contribute to the hockey writers for the Philadelphia Flyers and the Pittsburgh Penguins. You can follow me on Twitter at Matt Grizzell. And I just launched a podcast with my co-host Colin Newby of the Philadelphia Flyers called Focus on the Flyers. You can find the first episode at the Hockey Writers YouTube channel. Perfect. And thanks a lot for coming on the show, Matt. I really appreciate you doing this and giving my listeners a a quick preview of the Metro Division. Uh, Thanks again for having me, Wayne. I'm Matt Kundal, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com. 
do did will the story of people podcast is now available on the crier media network the first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories ready tara sloan from the san jose sharks undercurrent podcast at nbc sports Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network.